I'm Colette Hemmings. I'm really excited to invite you to another episode of Chill with Chemmings. This podcast is about you, your story, our story, and the ways that we can use stories to inspire and guide each other to a more connected, vibrant society. My story started in Scotland, where a strong sense of social justice, dignity and responsibility were instilled at a young age. This has only become stronger over time. Over 20 years ago, our young family set off on an adventure that we thought was only for a few years. My husband left his job, we packed our bag, paid off our debts and set off to Belgium. Some years later, we found ourselves in Amsterdam, Shanghai, Oregon and Jakarta. It has been and continues to be an enlightening journey that has shaped who we are today. An adventure that I thought was to discover the world out there turned out to be an adventure to find out who I am and why I'm here. Ten years ago, I became a Tai Chi master, realising the healing benefits of ancient wisdoms that I believe are even more important today. This wakened up my imagination and passion for life again and I've never looked back. I love the human story. I want to hear yours. It matters. If you have a story or know someone that you feel will inspire others, send an email to colette at chillwithchemmings.com. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to Kieron O'Leonard. Uh, we passed each other many times at work over the last few years and I knew he had a great character from his life story. Uh, and I really wanted to hear more about him and his journey. Kieran describes himself as a citizen of the world. He is an Olympian, a writer, burner, DJ and always looking to learn and laugh. He is a partner and advocate for the Sanctuary Runners in Ireland, knowing how much running has changed his life. He believes that sport provides the building blocks for mobilising communities and better rights for people. And I'm really excited to hear more of uh, Kieran's story. Hi Kieran and welcome to Chill with Chemmings. Hi Kieran, nice to have you on the show finally. Welcome to Chill with Chemmings. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to finally have you on the show. Um, we've done, we met a few years ago and I just, you know, I've done your introduction already. So I just uh, wanted to welcome you to Chill with Chemmings. And the thing about uh, Kieran was I was really inspired by your character and energy. We didn't meet that often, but uh I was just really inspired by your character. So I'd love to hear, maybe we can just tell a little bit about yourself. So who you are and a bit of your story. Totally. Yeah, I felt like we didn't we didn't get to, to catch up for a long time as, as, as much as we might have wanted to. But I always remember passing uh, passing you uh, at WHQ where we were walking from one building to the next. And uh, <laughs> there was always a great energy there. So, um, yeah, goodness, tell, tell you about myself. You know, it's one of those questions. It's like it feels really broad, and you, you think I, I don't want to. If I say every, if I if I'm everything, I'm nothing, and you also don't want to rein yourself in and be too specific. But um, you know, I pro most people probably know me from my background in in running. Um, I was born and raised in on a dairy farm in in Cork, uh, in Ireland, and um, I think more than anything, I'm probably, you know, I think I said this to you the other day, uh, a citizen of the world and a 
kind of a curious traveler. I've, um, I've had a, had a fun journey, you know, taking me across the Atlantic here to the U S and, and having the opportunity to really travel all over the world through, through running and work. And I don't think that's coincidental, you know, it's, um, I've always been driven by curiosity and love meeting new people, love being challenged by, by new ideas and perspectives. And I think that's probably what defines me more than anything else I would say, you know? Yeah, totally. Can you, if you're open to it, can you tell us a wee bit more about the dairy farm in Ireland? Tell us a bit about uh, that side of your life. So growing up. Uh, totally. Uh, where was it, first of all? Yeah, so I grew up in a, on a dairy farm. We had um, just under 70 dairy cows, typically, on average, um, on a 100, 100 acre there, thereabouts dairy farm um, in West Cork. So about 30 miles uh, west of Cork City, um, close to the Cork Kerry border, um, fairly rural. It's funny, like the house, the house I grew up in, um, is still doesn't have internet. So we were we were pretty far out there. The the nearest village to us was um, probably five seven miles away, and it was a couple of hundred people. Um, very traditional Irish community. I mean, it feels like a world away now. You know, both in terms of geography and time. Honestly, with how how the world has progressed since you know growing up there in the early nineties. You know. Um, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was cool. My, my parents both worked on the farm. Um, the, the house we lived in the farmhouse, um, it went back a couple of generations. So my mom's parents, um, lived in the house also. So it was my grandparents, um, my parents and my two younger brothers and I, um, and it was amazing living with my grandparents. I was super close to them. Um, we, we had a really kind of tight knit group there and, um, my granddad, especially, I was extremely close with growing up and, learned a ton from him um classic wise old old irish guy and um yeah you know the the farm the farm life it was it was cool it was it was a simple way of living you know i i sometimes feel like i grew up naive in some ways but i but it was it was really simple a close community and um you know mass on sundays played gaelic football with the local parish team and um yeah we were pretty isolated i remember my mom always saying i would go out and in uh in the yard and just kick the kick the soccer ball against the wall for hours on end she said you know you'd never be without a ball you know i had to go down and round up the cows um (laughs) for milking or anything i always had the ball with me and she's like your your ball is your best friend because you had to bike you know back then you had to bike anywhere you needed to go and Mm -hmm. um but it was it was fun you know it was it was just again as i as i sit here you know in in arizona in the united states i I think back and it feels like a world away it's crazy you know yeah yeah i can imagine it's no i feel similar as well we've got probably similar upbringings but that uh, it was more the naivety and just that uh, i would call it kind of a peaceful creative upbringing where we were basically come home when it's dark kind of thing totally exactly (laughs) uh, i think there's a lot to be said for that but so tell us after you had this kind of what sounds now like an idyllic (laughs) childhood what how did you how did you take the next leap out of Ireland oh goodness well you know it's funny um I I you know I I ran from a very young age I was involved in sports from a really young age my my mom was really um intent on on keeping us active and keeping us in sports and I started swimming when I was four you know so um every Saturday we would go to swim lessons when we were four and and um played Gaelic football which in Ireland Gaelic football is is religion in in rural areas you know it's it's inherently tied to kind of the Catholic church and yeah. we grew up we grew up that you know in that small tight knit parish community where Gaelic football which is a kind of a cross between Aussie rules and rugby um was just what you did you know um i always often look back at that time and 
you know, we were just pushed into sports. Like um, I went to an all boys secondary school too. And I, I almost felt bad for kids back then who were artistic, you know, um, like yeah. I love to write, but I never felt like beyond doing it on my own accord that I, that I was, that I could really like, make something of it because if you were a boy, you did sports. Um, yeah. And honestly, if you were artistic in any way, you were kind of teased and bullied. So, mm -hmm. um, which is really unfortunate. Again, I think it speaks to how, how much the world has changed for the better now that I think kids in Ireland and, and everywhere have more opportunities to express themselves. But um, back then it was, it was kind of sports, sports is what we did. And um, yeah, I, I joined, a, I think my mom just knew I had boundless energy probably. So <laughs> she, she couldn't stand me just so you were throwing hammering. At a young age. <laughs> yeah, I was just flaking the ball against the, against the wall every day. And she was probably sick of it. She's inside saying, what's this guy doing? So, um, sent me to the local running club and, um, when I was eight and, um, yeah, just, it kind of just took off from there. I guess pretty early on, I realized I had some, I had some ability at it, um, and then, you know, I was, the club was in, in, in our local town, which is about seven miles away and, um, McCroom, um, and pretty quickly there, I probably tapped out and reached a ceiling when I was even 10 or 11. Um, and it kind of coincided with some things not going so well at home. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the thing, family stuff that, that really, as the eldest boy, I kind of needed to get out and get away. Um, and there was a really good club called Leevale in Cork city, which was again, um, just, under 30 miles away and um my mom would drive me in there we i switched clubs and, and there was a lot of better older athletes there who'd gone to america on scholarship had run at the olympic level um different things and from the age of 11 12 my mom was driving me into to cork city every tuesday night and thursday night um to training with leevale and was training with athletes a lot older than me and and leveled up pretty quick um but you know again i think from that age, even, even 11, 12, I had this, this yearning to, to kind of leave and go explore and kind of go beyond what, what, what my kind of home setting was for various reasons. And um, yeah, that coincided with this, this ability to run. Um, and I guess I, I look back, I never really think about any conscious decision I made. It just kind of happened that I mm -hmm. kept running and kept going, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like the movie Run Forest Run. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it always make me think of. Mm -hmm. So, what happened after? So, when you actually left Ireland, you did all this training, and then where did you where did you go from there? So, in in it's 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 funny. You know, Ireland is a country that, you know, Dublin is obviously the capital, and, and Dublin gets gets typically it's it's it gets a lot of the resources, and and there's opportunities to maybe have coaching and facilities and 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 training opportunities um kind of in the capital but where we are in cork you know i always joke like cork is it's almost its own country you know it's like a, <laughs> it's like barcelona and, and catalonia and spain you know we're a bit separatist and ever since the you know the british had control of ireland like you know the, the french smuggled arms in through through cork, cork harbor we're the rebel county we we, we kind of do our own thing and it was instilled in me when i went to leeville um hey you know going to America and going on scholarship was something you can do. And it's what a lot of the older, older guys in the club had done. And I, and at the time when I was 12 and 13, like I, I, I would, I would come into training and especially in the summertime, I would, you would see these, you know, 19, 20, 21 year olds come back to the club for summer from, 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 from summer or for summer from, from their colleges in America. And I'd be running with them and they'd tell me all these stories, you know, and I'm like, this is, I want to do this. I want to do this. Um, 
And um, my coach at, at Leeville, he used to order this magazine called Track and Field News, which which was uh, an American uh, track and field publication. And he'd give me some of the, you know, he'd read it and he'd give me a copy to read and take home um, back home to to the farm with me. And I would pour over these pages of like American college results and um, the cover. I remember there was one cover where it was like a runner from Tennessee running it's a runner from South Carolina. And I remember learning about U.S. geography, like through the lens of watching these, you know, seeing these photographs of runners racing and um, kind of constructed this dream in my mind of wanting to do this. And so, um, again, I think coincided, it coincided with, um, you know, things being not so good at home. And um, I, my relationship with my dad really broke down early in my teenage years and was really not very good. And um, at the time, my parents were still together and, and um, it, was, it was almost going to be one of the two of us is going to kill each other, I think, um, <laughs> at looking back. And um, mm-hmm. I needed to go, basically, you know, I, I needed to go and, and um, started spending a lot of time through my teenage years actually in the city, um, staying with my coach and um, staying with some of the older at runners that were there. And really, by the time I was 14, 15, was fully bought into this idea that running was going to take me away from where I was, um, kind of out of a situation that wasn't so great. Um, and, and, and everyone was on board with that, you know. Um, and I was, having, I was having quite a bit of success at, at underage level, which, you know, we didn't, have a, we didn't have a high school system really in Ireland for running. It's not, a, it's not like it is in the U.S. It's a club-based system. So we have, you know, national championships and, uh, for, for clubs or whatever. And I was winning that and, and, and breaking some records and running well. And I um, started getting interest, uh, you know, I think the equivalent of like my sophomore year, you know, of, of, of high school. So it would be in secondary school, would be 15 years old. And these colleges would start sending letters to the house. And I remember I, I got a letter from Harvard and my mom like lost her mind. And she's like, you're going to go to Harvard. You're going to go to Harvard. And I was like, I'm not going to Harvard. They have a shit track team, you know, <laughs> their track team sucks. <laughs> um, uh, which was cool. I like always say I got a letter from Harvard, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I um, again, it's funny. Like I, I was, I started to nail down, you know, some of the um, the options for for going to college in the U.S. And traditionally, uh, most Irish runners have gone to um, some of the smaller private Catholic schools in in the northeast of the U.S. So Providence, Iona, Villanova, are three of the big ones. Um, Villanova, particularly for athletes from Cork, was a school that developed a lot of runners and everyone assumed I was going to go to Villanova because the coach was, was from my club. And I really wanted to go to a big state school. You know, I'd, I'd watch some of these movies, you know, of like <laughs> these crazy parties and these big football games at these big state schools and um, had done some research. And um, obviously through football, these, these athletic departments are funded really, really well. Um, and so I, I decided I want to go to a big state school. Uh, so I started looking at, um, University of Michigan, University of Arkansas, Florida State University, University of Texas, and Georgetown. Those are the schools I, I narrowed it down to. Oh. And um, yeah, my, my, my last year in, in secondary school, so I'm, I'm 17 at this point, um, I got invited to run a high school mile over in, in, in the U.S. It was the best high schoolers in the U.S. versus kind of the rest of the world. Um, and I ran there. And prior to prior to running there, I committed, I committed to Florida State University. And the coach at University of Michigan um, ended up bringing his whole team to that race. I ended up coming second in this mile and having a cheering section with Irish flags on the back of the, <laughs> on the back street of the track as I was racing. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is crazy, you know? Um, and I changed my mind at the race and I decided to go to the University of Michigan. Um, and so 
that was um yeah, that that was that was kind of the my pathway i guess um to, amazing to, yeah, yes. so talk, tell me a bit more about that decision to because a lot of what we talk about is what makes you make those choices in your life so yeah. the move to michigan what was yeah. it that yeah i think you know i look people people often say to me you know when it come when it when it's a, especially when it's with, with respect to running and running at a high level or, you know, training a lot, they say, how, you know, how do you do this? It must take such dedication or whatever, you know, and it's never felt like that for me. Like it's never felt like I've had to make conscious decisions in my life to, mm-hmm. to do some, something one way or the other. It just feels like this is the path I'm going down. Um, oh, I like I do think a big driver of it for me was that um, my home life wasn't good. And so mm-hmm. I just had to leave, you know, and I was really, it, it, it I had grown pretty, pretty bitter and and just angry I was an angry kid by the time I was in my late teens and I was running on anger a lot which yes. brought a lot of success because I was just kicking ass but also I think it I ran myself into the ground too and it caused a lot of injuries for me mm-hmm. so it's something I have had to work on over the years I think is to channel those emotions a little better um yeah it's a fine line the anger and the passion I think it's, it's always exactly <laughs> um no, totally. But 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 I look back and often often when I talk about kind of my home life in, in depth and I'm and I'm super close with my mom and super close with my younger brothers. They're they're incredible. Um, I I you know, people say, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm sorry these things happened or, um, you know, this that must have been tough. And I say, you know, honestly, it was a gr- it was a, a gift to me, I guess, because it 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 enabled me. It didn't give me a choice. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was like, I'm 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 getting out of here. I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do something else and I'm going to go be somewhere else. And um, yeah, you know, it, it, I was traveling from the, from even in my teens, I was running at world junior championships and um, European youth championships and traveling around Europe, going to Africa racing. And it, 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 it gave me a global perspective on things from a really young age. So like I always, I, I'm a big believer in, in, in saying that, you know, for everything you ever get in life, you got to give something for it. But anything that's ever happened hardship wise to you can also be a benefit to you if you um, if you allow it to be or you see it that way. And so, oh, again, yeah. I, the cards fell how they fell for me. You know, I was given an ability to run um, and I was also given a set of circumstances, I guess, that forced me one way or the other to, to, to leave. Um, that made you run faster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe run faster. And and again, it just. America felt like a calling, you know, from from mm-hmm. from those young days reading those those track and field magazines when I was 12, 13 years old. Um, I I felt like I was there. I would fall asleep dreaming of it, you know. So mm-hmm. I was already in America. My mom always joked. She goes, "You were already." You, people say you went to America when you were eighteen. She goes, "You were in America when you were twelve years old." You know. Uh, she knew. She, she knew. knew. No, she absolutely knew. Yeah, and oh, she supported it all the way. You know. That's amazing. I think that's when you do reflect back. You really. You see those moments when you were young, like, oh, I was naturally, you kind of knew it was going to happen. It's like your yep. dreams coming true kind of thing. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it was, it's, well, it's, it's been a journey, yeah, so, for sure. I mean, incredible journey so far. And yep. what were, you've already mentioned a couple, but a couple of moments in your life, you know, and they can be inspiring moments or like, painful times that really yeah. affected you the most and especially like your character totally yeah um yeah you know i i think um again i kind of mentioned how how things were growing up you know my 
my time at Michigan. So I, I stayed at Michigan for three years and I, I ended up transferring to Florida state. Um, I ran really poorly at Michigan. I picked up a lot of injuries. I think I was, I was running on anger a lot and I felt really guilty. I think for abandoning, abandoned, I felt like I abandoned my, my mom and my brothers a little bit. Um, when I went to America, you know, I was the oldest of three boys and there was just a lot of late night Skype calls, making sure everyone was okay. Um, you know, like I said, things weren't so great. And, um, yeah, I was, I was, I was worried a lot of the time there and I was stressed and that time was, was really difficult. I think, um, it, it, it held me back in my running. It maybe built me up in, in other ways. Um, but it got to the point to where I was, I was really not a happy person when I was at Michigan, you know, from the ages of age of 18 to 21 and, um, wanted to change the scenery. I need, I knew I needed to change the scenery. I was, I was drinking a lot and, um, you know, not, not, in, not engaging in healthy coping mechanisms, I think, to, to deal with where, where things were with, with my life, family, um, et cetera. And I was injured. And when you're an injured as a runner, you lose a lot of your sense of purpose, right? So mm-hmm. I, um, I knew I needed a change. And so I actually reached, you know, I ended up um, getting a, getting a uh, approved transfer. I, was, I, was, uh, I asked Michigan if I could leave and, and transfer to the school. And I, I ended up getting in contact with the coaches at Florida state where I originally committed and, um, transferred to Florida state university. And that was a game changer for me. I mean, I, I landed in Tallahassee and it, it did coincide with, I think, um, my parents ended up, um, separating and, and things got better at home. And, um, and I had a new change of scenery. The sun was out the weather was warmer. Um, I had a new kind of set of teammates and friends that didn't see me as this, depressed angry angry mm-hmm. kid and um and me and, and i in in my coach at florida state bob brayman i i kind of inherited i guess a, a father figure who who was much more than a coach to me which oh, wow. was really really big for me um and immediately started having success you know um mm-hmm. uh on on the track as a result and grades were better and just life in general was better so um moving from michigan taking the plunge i think the, the plunge to to leave michigan and go to florida state was was some was a game changer uh, i guess it changed the, tra- the course and trajectory of my running career but also i think my mentality and my my life and my happiness you know that one was really really big and it, it sounds again as if you just instinctually knew you had to move yeah i mean i i think there's part part of it's that part of it is like i, I i've had amazing mentors and people in my life that it seemed i i've, I've been incredibly lucky you know from from when I was a teenager joining the club in the city and, and getting a coach who guided me through my teenage years, um, having a coach and, and coach Brayman of Florida state who stepped in and gave me a second shot, even though I, I committed to school and decommitted originally. Um, you know, part of it is being instinctual, I guess, and, and taking, taking that step um, when you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But I honestly mm-hmm. feel really, really grateful to have been guided by, by people yeah. at the right time. Cause if, if those people aren't there at the right time, I think, None of, none of this happens. And so I feel really fortunate in that way, you know. But what do you think? So you, you've gave these incredible examples with coaches and, mm-hmm. and your own path. But what, what have you learned about yourself? What are like the, the two things you'd say about Kieran that, uh, that, that, uh, that are really positive right now in your life? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think... I, I live my life with, with a strong degree of passion, which can be a positive, but can also be, um, I think it can be uncomfortable for people at times. You know, I, I feel like I go a hundred miles an hour. Um, and I feel if I'm, if I'm bought into something, I'm all in on it, you know, 
So if it's training for the Olympics, it's I'm all in, you know, and that's that's what I'm doing. Um, I do think that inherently can, you know, moderation in, in life is, is also an important skill to learn. And it's it's something that I've had to work really hard, I think, at at uh, at gaining um, or gaining perspective on. Um, but I do think, you know, I live my life with passion and um, I'd like to think, you know, I, I, I'm honest. I'm an open book. You know, I, I think for better or worse, like I've made mistakes in my life. I've, I've, have I done everything the right way? No. Do I live with regrets? Not really, because that's, mm -hmm. that's what life is. You know, um, you learn from those and, and you move forward. But I would say that I live it with passion and I'll, I'll never shy away from, from being true to who I am. Um, okay. I, I, understanding that I think I'm always growing and learning, you know, and, and as everyone should be, I think the, the day you stop learning is the day you die, you know? Totally, Kim. That's in very inspiring. And one of the things you talked about briefly there was, you know, your where you are today. Yeah. I know we we won't have time to go into a lot of detail today, but you mentioned just out the side of your mouth a uh, we worked the Olympics. Yeah. And yeah. What, what the heck? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. That <laughs> I'm asking myself the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, um, yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I, I ran at the Olympics in 2012, but I, I ran injured, and um, I came out of college and, and and signed with Nike, and and had I was running as a professional runner for five years, and through injury, two Achilles surgeries, never achieved the level of success that I would have wanted to um, I, I, at the Olympic level, and just done done credit to myself and the ability I feel like I have, and, and the people that have helped me in my running career. So, you know, I re I retired and and move forward and was really fortunate to be able to transition to, to a great job. And, um, yeah, I, I felt like things were great. Like I was, I was really, I, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. And I was really focused on taking a step with my career. You know, I felt like I'd neglected my mind a bit when I was running, I was focused on just physical aspect of things, yeah. training my body for the Olympic level. And I knew I, I felt like I had more to contribute, um, from, from my brain I, at least I, I thought I thought so I think so um, um, and and I I think I over-indexed on that a little bit and I didn't necessarily in the last you know when I finished running in 2016 think about um, other outlets or things that would inspire me and make me happy you know and I think through the course of time in the, in the last four years um, just you know trying to find a sense of purpose beyond working was a bit of a struggle for me and uh, again when you're an athlete, everyone says you're really dedicated, but you're actually only dedicated, I think, because you have the <laughs> singular goal of the Olympics you're focused on. And so, you know, I think I fell into some, you know, bad lifestyle habits um, when I retired and, you know, was just not taking care of myself um, like, like I should have been. And, you know, this year, um, the Olympics ended up getting pushed back and coronavirus hit and I was sitting in Portland, Portland and I was drinking way too much. I think it was, it was not a matter of if I would drink on a day, it was when, and, um, you know, I thought, man, I, I'm going to try and change things up here a little bit. Um, so I, you know, with, with Nike being shut down, um, offices being closed, everybody's either at home or remote. I, I called up my, my friend who was my agent agent when I was running professionally, who has a house in Flagstaff for athletes. And I said, Hey, uh, I think I'm going to come up here and, and quarantine in Flagstaff for, for, for a little bit and, and get back to some running. I haven't, I literally hadn't really run at all in four years. You know, my body was pretty broken when I retired and, and he's like, yep. Yeah, when do you want to come? And I said, I'm going to come today. This is <laughs> at noon on April 2nd. And he was like, 
he thought it was April 1st for a second. I, th- I think he's like, is this some kind of April Fool's joke? But I said, no, I'm going to get a flight at five o'clock. There's a flight at five. I packed a bag. Um, I, have a, I have some amazing friends in Portland who offered to uh, babysit my cat for me while I, while I headed up there. And I came up in, in, on April 2nd, not really with any plan other than to just, just go into the mount, go to the mountains and, and get back to running, which has always been, I think for someone that lives with a, let's say a, high enough level of intensity um it's been a, a leveler for me you know i think yeah. again when i when i left the sport i said okay i'm done with running as this physical activity i never really understood the power it has from a mindfulness perspective and yeah. the grounding it has um or the grounding ability it has i guess um and so i started running and pretty pretty soon i kind of felt momentum building and i you know, again, I'm, I'm living with my agent here and we would have dinner at night and, and kind of said, man, it, you know, do you want to give this a shot? You know? Um, and at the time I, I didn't know if I was ready, but as the weeks have progressed here, uh, and again, quarantine is being extended and, um, I'm starting to get the fire back. It, it starts to feel, it's starting to feel like something I really want to get after. And, um, you know, wow. I've talked to some people in Ireland about it and oddly enough, it's, it's con- it's brought me a lot closer to Ireland again. The idea that I might be able to compete in that green jersey. I've oh I've been in America goodness. for fourteen years, but what a story! Yeah, the my my Irishness is inherently tied to running. It feels like since I've come here, you know, as as I've lived in the U.S. all this time, my one chance to be Irish has been to put on that jersey, and and um, oh my goodness, it feels it feels yeah, it feels like a bit of a calling to come back, you know. So oh, that's what an inspiring story. That's that's. I mean, no matter what happens along the way, I think just the fact that you've made that conscious choice is. And I loved how you said, "Oh yeah, no, I'm coming today." Yeah, <laughs> like, but yeah, I'm on the plane already. It goes that's back, but it goes, yeah, it goes back to your point. You know, around one of its in, part of its instinctual, but there was somebody on the other end of the phone when I made that call to say yeah come up here you know again I, I just feel so lucky that I've had people in my life you know whether it's um great mentors for, uh, at work whether it's great coaches whether it's an agent who's a friend of mine and to to, to enable some of these dreams you know and oh, pe- people are crazy this is a pipe dream but um I, I think again we're in a strange time like with the coronavirus it makes you really reassess your priorities and what makes you happy and how you're living your life. And yeah, this, what's, what's nice is I feel like I'm playing with house money, you know, you know, I'm locked down anyway. So (laughs) why not, why not spend the time in a healthy, in a healthy manner as opposed to uh, hitting the booze on a Tuesday. Right. That's right. And you've made that choice. So what are, I mean, you've already shared some of them, but what are some of the, for the audience listening, because this is really to help uh, inspire others what are some of the lessons that you would share with the audience? Just a couple of things that, you know, you would suggest if people are at that kind of crossroads that you've been at, what would you say to them? Um, I think if, if so long as you can look, you know, at yourself in the mirror and know that you're doing right by yourself and your integrity, you'll probably be on the, on, on the, on the right path, you know, so long, so long as you're really honest with yourself. I think mm-hmm. so long as you can be your own best and worst critic um, and, and, and hold yourself accountable, that's, that's the most important thing. I, that's something I've always, I've always tried to live by. And, you know, 
you can you can bullshit you can bullshit other people but it's very very hard to bullshit yourself if you're being really honest with yourself um and the only way i think you're ever going to really be happy is if you take a good hard look at yourself and say am i doing things the right way whether it's how you treat people um the life how you treat yourself you know um and and the values and morals that you live by and and again you know there's been points in my life where i haven't lived up to those expectations either i've had for myself or let people that i'm um that have been really close to me down and I've had to reassess and reevaluate. But I think the first part is being completely honest with yourself and, and then holding yourself mm-hmm. accountable and, and, and the rest should, should fall into place. And, you know, I think the other one is, is challenging the status quo, you know, like we're in a, <clears throat> we're in a time now where for good reason, um, people are rising up and, 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 and challenging um, authority here and, some of the injustices that that um, minority groups have felt and and the racism that's been here, but again, um, there are always people out there uh, that are that don't have a voice and that need to be lended a voice. I think you know somebody out there is always hurting and feels like they don't have someone to talk to or someone that will understand with compassion where they're coming from. So, also think something that's been really important for me is just listening and. Um, Again, I've I've always try, been I've been lucky to have had people there when I've been in need. Mm-hmm. And, um, to be able to afford the same luxury to somebody else is something I think we should all try and um, strive to. You know, oh, I love that. And I know you probably won't mention this, but I know that you do some great work with the refugee runners. Yep. yep. In Ireland, I do, we've got a couple of minutes left, but if you want to just share what that is and yeah, totally what you're trying to do. Yeah. So, you know, uh, when I when I came to Florida um, in Tallahassee, I, I had I had no money. I, I left a full scholarship in Michigan to go on a half scholarship to Florida State. So I lived in the poorest part of Tallahassee. I, it was the ghetto, basically. And it was I was the only I was the only white kid basically in that neighborhood. And I was received so warmly in, in that neighborhood, you know, um, and, and got to learn so much about cultures that were so different from mine growing up in on a dairy farm in Ireland and and running was an enabler for that you know running was kind of the the vehicle that that I could drive to to learn about so much of the world and about people that came from different places to me and I'm always so grateful for that um and as I look at the situation in Ireland which there's a the situation refugees and asylum seekers face in Ireland is appalling really the government is what the government has done is a disgrace they've They've set up a a system called direct provision, which is supposed to be a temporary housing scheme to um, to house asylum seekers and refugees while while they're essentially being processed and what have you. And the standard of living there is atrocious and it really it separates. It it creates basically almost like a purgatory type situation where refugees and asylum seekers are 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 separate from Irish society and Mm -hmm. do not have an ability to really integrate and make friends um and and build build community and build common ground right so um there's a an organization called sanctuary runners that i that i work closely with that um enables community and friendship um through running so it's a it's a running club where um irish runners of various abilities um who are just in the community can can run with um runners who are asylum seekers and refugees and in direct provision in this temporary housing situation and it really opens the door for for a lot of these these kids who come from from different places to to see Irish culture through a different lens, make friends, um, 
and and just ha- honestly have a have a higher quality of life through running um while again they're they're in this situation which we're fighting really hard to change um and so that's really really important to me because again running is given was what gave me mm-hmm. friends and a community um when i came to the us and um there's no group that needs that more than asylum seekers and refugees in ireland yeah. so we're working really that. hard to um to create those opportunities for athletes to run together and have on right now and right now it's really tough with the with the coronavirus right because a lot of these athletes were would rely on 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 sanctuary runners and and these group community runs as a social outlet that was shut down because of 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 the virus so mm-hmm. we're doing some online um zoom workouts and just that's great talks yeah so that that's that's really big and it's something that's been um yeah super inspiring to me just so how how do people um i mean i just i love that work that you're doing it's Mm -hmm. really important work and i think how do people connect with either yourself or with the sanctuary runners work uh, after the show if they want to reach out yeah i'll I'll, uh if you if you go to um either i can i can i can give you a link or or i'll i can put a link on my uh on my bio i think there's a link in my instagram bio to more information about it yeah great perfect yep yep so again it's um we've done a few different initiatives like over the years through either being in these at these universities and nike i've accumulated a ton of running running gear and we do we're doing a a running gear donation drive right now it's the details have been a bit are the the logistics i should say have been a bit delayed because of covid because we can't necessarily send stuff but um yeah if anybody ever wants to get involved and and just be a voice or um be a mentor yeah, yeah no, that's exactly hopefully we're going to inspire more people to to get involved in some great work in the world and then the last question i won't say it's my favorite question but i do love music and i know you do too mm-hmm. so favorite song related either to your life journey or just one that really resonates with you and why oh my goodness <laughs> you are putting me on the spot here i am favorite song yeah or one that really you know that you maybe play a lot i know you're doing a, a lot of kind of electronic yeah band. goodness I, I i problem is i've i've it's funny i've like trawled through so many yeah. songs um i you actually just... really like this so i i i want to i i can't i don't know if i can pick an all-time um uh-huh song song right now but there's a song i really like at the moment it's funny i'm doing a trivia a zoom trivia game tonight and i was asked to do the playlist and i put a song on there called uh, multi-love by uh-huh. Un- it's a it's a band called unknown mortal mortal orchestra um they're not a super well-known band but i really i really love that song it's like a it's a it's kind of an uplifting optimistic song um and i think again like the um, love can have many sides, but it has a strong purpose, you know, and um, yeah, that song resonates pretty, pretty, pretty strong. It's a good one. Well, I am leaving very, very inspired. I knew that you had a great character and I can't say thank you enough for coming on the Chill with Cheming show. It's, it's, I hope we can have you on again. Uh, once you've won at the Olympics, <laughs> yeah, no small task. I'll I'll get to work. <laughs> just, uh, but but most of all, Kieran, is just uh, your personal story, and thank you so much for sharing that with everyone. And I'll talk to you again soon. No, Colette, thank yeah. you so much. I love our chats, and um, again, uh, you inspire me too. And I'm really looking forward to uh 
to hearing some of the other stories you have on here. It's a, it's a great initiative. So. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Okay, see you soon. Kira. Have a good one. See ya. Bye. Bye.